You are now listening to Find Your Wealth, Episode 2, Downsizing and Budgeting with your host, Shatoria Jane Gillenwhite. What's up, y'all? Y'all made it back for Episode 2. I'm still overjoyed with all the feedback and love I've been receiving. Keep it coming, please. This helps me just as much as it helps you. Quite a few people have told me that the activities have helped them, and I can't lie. Writing down things and actually seeing them on paper made me want to take action immediately. After I finished episode one, I seen the average millennial net worth is $10,400. That's literally nothing. And to be clear, millennial is anyone from the age of 38 to let's say 20-ish, give or take. But man, if that number isn't a wake-up call, I don't know what is. So did anybody else get a slight adrenaline rush like, wow, I'm ready for what's next? Me too. So to keep the season flowing, I thought the appropriate topics today should be about downsizing and budgeting. I forgot to mention in the first episode that I didn't want this podcast to be confusing. And what I mean by that is, I don't want to talk about student loans, then jump to what are debit cards, then jump to investments. Each episode is going to lead to the next one to make this journey go a little bit more smoother. So what is downsizing? According to Google's definition, downsizing is to make something smaller. So can you guess where we're downsizing? Yep, downsizing your expenses and spending while increasing your savings. Downsizing definitely takes a lot of willpower. You have to mentally prepare yourself. If you are not mentally ready, downsizing will seem like a hassle and you will slip into old habits. Yes, when you are first trying to downsize, you will be making sacrifices. However, Once you stop buying or using the things you once thought you needed, you will realize your life is better without it. The people you have around you also plays a crucial role. If your family and friends are constantly taking vacations, getting the newest iPhone, etc., your brain will automatically tell you that you need it because everybody has it, but you don't. The best solution, start associating yourself with people that are doing the same thing or trying to do the same thing as you. If you hang around nine millionaires, guess who the 10th one will be? But that also goes to show if you hang around nine clowns, you will also be the 10th one. You may not realize it, but there are many ways you can downsize your expenses. You can downsize your home, transportation, clothes, food, literally anything. The big purchases you make now might seem like you can spend it and get it right back, but in actuality, you won't. Why? Habits are hard to break. It takes 21 days to create a habit and it takes 90 days for that habit to become a lifestyle. If you're constantly making big purchases in the long run, you're basically competing with yourself to have the next best thing. Example, let's say you make 60K a year. Sounds like more than enough money to live comfortable. You have your usual expenses while splurging just a tad bit. Next year, you get a bonus, so now you're making 65K. Majority of the time, people think since they have more money, this gives them the option to spend more money. You upgrade your one-bedroom apartment to a two-bedroom apartment. So you're basically still making 60K because all you're doing is using that extra money to splurge. See how it goes? You're stagnant. Instead, what you should be doing is not upgrading your expenses every time you get extra cash. You have an extra 5,000 a year? Act like you don't have that money. Just put it to the side in savings or investments. Why do you think when you pick up a second job, you have more money, but you're still struggling? Because you added more expenses instead of worrying about the ones you have now. Having two jobs, though, is definitely a conversation for another day, and we will touch on that. The best way to downsize is analyze literally all your expenses. 
For example, you have a two-bedroom apartment, but you are the only one living in it. Why pay an extra $200 for a couple extra square feet? Do you really? And I mean really, really need it. Nine times out of 10, you don't. $200 times 12 is $2,400. $2,400 over the next five years is $12,000. See how fast that adds up? $12,000 that could have went towards anything. Another example is eating out for lunch Monday through Friday when you go to work. You could easily spend $50 a week eating out when instead you can buy your groceries and spend half that. So that's a difference of $25 extra a week and a total of $100 a month minimum. Eating out for a whole year can be an expense of $1,200. For the next five years, it can be $6,000. Combine the $12,000 from apartment costs and $6,000 for food costs and you have a total of $18,000 in unnecessary expenses. I know it's going to be a lot of people that say that's not realistic. Look at your expenses from the past year and tell me how much was unnecessary. It might not seem like a lot at the moment, but it adds up without you realizing it. It's the small things that make the biggest impact. This is where budgeting comes into play. When you budget your personal finances, you can see what is coming in and out. Budgeting plays a crucial role in downsizing your finances. Today, I'm going to give you some budgeting techniques and explain what each one means. You can use one budgeting technique or use multiple at once. Just find the one that works the best for you and your lifestyle. Also, your budget will not be the same each month. For example, your expenses in December might be more due to holidays compared to August. There are tons of budgeting techniques out there, but I'm only going to go over five. Three are directed towards expenses, one towards savings, and one towards debt. There are tons of ways to track your expenses and savings as well. You can use cell phone apps such as Mint. You can buy an expense tracker and manually write everything down, or if you like to sell, just create your own budget creating Excel sheets. In each example, we're going to assume a person makes $3,500 a month. However, while I'm explaining the budgets, imagine yourself using the budgets and how it applies to you. I'm just using the $3,500 example for listeners to better follow along with each scenario. The first budget is one of my personal faves. This budget is the 50-30-20 rule. 50% of your after-tax income should go towards needs, 30% for wants, and 20% for savings. 50-30-20 is the most standard budget. However, you can adjust the percentages based on your lifestyle. You can do 40-30-30, and so on. The budget is a good way to discipline yourself. You know you can only spend so much on needs. If you go a percentage over, you're cutting into your wants or savings. It's a good way to tell you how to allocate your money without figuring it out for yourself. So needs can be a combination of rent, loans, credit card bills, groceries, basically the bare minimum you need to survive, plus any debt and bills you have. So 50% of 3,500 is 1,750. Also, to throw this out there, you're only supposed to spend 30% of your monthly income on housing costs, so 1,050 in this case. Housing costs include rent, utilities, Wi-Fi, water, you catch the drift. So if you max out your housing costs, This only leaves you with $700 left for needs. Usually, housing costs are a big chunk of your needs. If you don't use the full $1,050, this gives you extra money towards bills, especially if you have student loans. Now, for the once, you can spend $1,050. That's 30%. Once is anything that you can live without, such as eating out, Netflix, clothing, manicures, video games, basically things that make you feel good. 30% seems like a whole lot to spend, right? It really does. But look at your expenses from the past month. Did you spend more than 30% of your checks on once? Crazy what you find, right? If your spending is through the roof, this will definitely help discipline you. However, if you don't draw that line between what are your needs and what are wants, 
this budget will not work for you. You can't say Netflix is a need because it's really not. You have to draw that line between needs and wants. Last but not least, savings. This equals to $700 a month. Savings include emergency funds, investments, retirement accounts, and so on. If you can save 20% of your income, that's absolutely amazing. However, life does happen and you can be a recent college graduate and want to pay your student loans off. That's fine. This is why you can adjust your percentages accordingly. Figure out your goals and this will better help you decide what percentages you should do. The next budget is the envelope system. I love this budgeting technique as well. The envelope system deals with cash. Do not use your debit card. This technique is very helpful if you have a problem with overspending. The envelope system is crucial in identifying where your money goes down to the last penny. Look at your bank statements and see where your money goes. Within your bank statement, create categories. Categories include health, food, housing, loans, anything you want, basically. Once you do that, you are looking for variable expenses, not fixed expenses. Variable expenses are expenses that fluctuate each month. It can be groceries, gas, gifts, and any other miscellaneous expenses. Fixed expenses are expenses that are at a flat rate, such as rent, car note, car insurance, and so on. Fixed expenses can stay in your account and any auto pay accounts you have. Don't worry about those. You only take out money for your variable expenses. Once you identify your variable expenses, figure out which categories need the most improvement. If you find yourself eating out a lot, create an envelope for eating out. You want to minimize your envelopes because the goal is to improve your overspending. You can also decide when you want to put the money in the envelopes. If you want to do it each paycheck or do it at the beginning or end of the month, that's fine, as long as it equals to the amount you set for that category. Let's say you decided to create an envelope for eating out of $100. $100 is all the cash you have for eating out for the month. That's it. If you spend that $100 by the second week, you can't eat out for the rest of the month. Once the money in your envelope is gone, it's gone. There's no going to the ATM for more money or using your debit card or dabbling in other envelopes for money or even going into next month's envelope for money. All those options beast the whole purpose of this budgeting technique. That's why it's important to figure out where your money goes and how much. If you have money left over, that's great. You should definitely treat yourself. That means you're starting to control your spending. Also, when you have money left over from an envelope, use it towards your savings or debt or any financial goal you have. The third budget is the zero sum. Essentially, what this budget does is take your income minus your outflow and at the end of the month, it should equal zero. The goal is to pay for next month expenses with the current month's income so you are a month ahead. Let's say you spent only $2,500 out of your $3,500 on bills and expenses. You have $1,000 left over in your account. This is what we think. We see $1,000 in our account and think we can just spend it because it's there. Mistake number one. The goal is to tell our money where to go. Just because you see money does not mean go to the nearest mall and buy a piece of jewelry. I can't tell you what to do with your money, but there are many other important ways to use your money than spend it. If you don't have an emergency fund, start allocating some money towards that. Need to pay off a credit card bill? Do that. The zero sum allows you to be in control, which comes with responsibility. Me, myself, Shatoria, I don't have that much control over my spending just yet to make it zero each month. I sometimes slip up. If I see extra money, my mind automatically wants to buy something and I regret it as soon as I leave the store. But somehow I still do it, which is why I like the 50-30-20 rule. I need some structure. It's like my mom telling me what to do without my mom being there. 
The savings budget is the pay yourself budget. And oh my God, is this budget incredible. If you have not yet read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it is absolutely amazing. Literally life-changing. One of the best books I've ever read, and I'm not even exaggerating. I tried so many savings challenges, automated savings, and so forth, and paying yourself first is the best thing I could ever do. The pay yourself budget is basically a reverse budget. You save money first, aka pay yourself first, and whatever money you have left, you spend on bills and expenses. If you want to start investing or saving for a new home, pay yourself. As we all know, landlords, bill collectors are always going to be knocking on our door every month. They don't miss a day. If we already know that, why don't you pay yourself first? The thing is, we pay our expenses first and whatever money we have left over for savings is an afterthought. We put the bare minimum in savings, afraid we won't have enough money for the rest of the month. If we save the money at the beginning of the month, our $700, we have $2,800 left for whatever else. If you don't have enough money after you pay yourself first, that means you need to downsize your expenses. It's literally one of the most simplest budgets, but it's also one of the most underrated in my eyes. This budget is compared to Wale being underrated in the hip-hop game. Last but not least, the debt snowball method. And yes, this is for paying down debt. If your goal is to eliminate debt, this is a good one to use. Make sure you are listening closely to this one. It's going to be a lot of numbers thrown out there. Okay, let's say you want to pay three things off. You have a $950 credit card balance, $50,000 car loan, and a $25,000 student loan balance. The minimum balance you have to pay each month for your credit card is 50. Minimum balance for your car loan is 180 and student loan minimum is 300. Now, of course, you have to pay your minimum each month. That's a given. But with the debt snowball, it ranks your debts from the smallest balance to the largest balance. In this case, our smallest is the credit card worth 950. Let's say we're already paying an extra $300 a month on the bill, so a total of 350. It will take you 3 months to pay off the credit card bill. Now, once you pay off the credit card bill, go to the newest, smallest balance, which is the car loan. You combine what you pay for the credit card bill with the car loan because once you pay off the credit card, you don't have an extra $350 in your account. You still have to pay for the debt you still have. So take the $350 plus the $180 and you will be paying $530 a month on your car loan. See what's going on? You're just rolling debt payments to the next until they're all gone. Not only will you pay off debt quicker, but you'll also have more money in the long run because the interest won't be piling up. I know this episode had tons and tons of information. If something was not clear, I added a link for each budget. You can also email the Find Your Wealth email or message on Facebook. I tried to make it as clear as possible, but I know new information sometimes does not click. Don't worry, once you start doing it, it will be like clockwork. If you ever get off track with your budget, please don't get discouraged. Just remind yourself why you're budgeting in the first place and get right back on track. So, of course, this activity is super important. You can't expect to reach wealth without having a budget. Ask any wealthy person. They still track their expenses and knows where every dollar is going. Like my girl Tiffany Haddish, she's been going crazy with the movies, but she budgets still. She was once homeless, so she knows money could be there today, but also gone tomorrow. So, what I want you to do first is look at your June bank statements. Add up every dollar and see where your money was going. Next, find ways you can downsize those expenses. Last, pick one of the five budgets you would like to use. Of course, please let me know how your progress is coming and how you have improved. When the summer series ends, I don't want you to stop. Keep finding ways to improve. 
This is not just a summer commitment. This is a lifelong journey. When you come back for next Monday, this will be the start of our spending series. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Follow and like Fonja Wells' Facebook and Instagram page for additional tips and updates. Have a productive week. Thank you for listening and see you all next Monday.